Drive Time Radio with New York Vinny. Well, hello there. It's a Saturday morning. Just a couple of minutes after 8 o'clock, and it is time for Drive Time Radio. I am your congenial host, New York Vinny. I sit here with you every Saturday morning from 8 to 9, bringing you the latest and the greatest in the automotive world, whether it's automotive culture, racing, local events, car reviews. We drive a car every week, as uh, you well know by now, if you listen to the show, and if you, you don't, we drive a car every week, a new one, and then report back to you on uh, what we think about it. Just the average, you know, there's the critics and there's the average people that get into these cars and drive and say, this is good, this is bad, this is good, this is bad, this is good, good, good. Um, I try to look for the good in everything. Some cars, you have a little bit more of a problem doing that than with others, but it's been fun. It's, uh, you know, I always like to recap every couple of shows. I've been doing this a long time. I've driven a new car almost every week uh, since 1993. So you can imagine that I have uh, a lot of experience getting in and out of uh, a number of cars. And it is, uh, it is uh, you know, a job sent from heaven. I mean, who else do you know that has a job where you you know, you drive new cars every week. If you're not a car dealer, it's a nice gig if you can get it. And believe you me, so many people have asked me, how do I get this gig? What do I do? Where do I apply? And I just uh, say, you got to, you know, you, you have to have helped. My take on it is I've helped the right lady or gentleman across the street when I was a Boy Scout. Way back when I was a Boy Scout in Troop 201 in Jackson Heights, uh, that uh, emanated from St. Mark's Episcopal Church on 34th Avenue and 82nd Street. Um, Mr. Tremaine was our scoutmaster, and he taught us right, because I figured that the only way that I ever could have gotten a gig like this was to help the right old lady cross the street on Northern Boulevard, which was a very busy street way back when still is now. All right. It is our annual top five cars I did not want to give back. You know, uh, if you've seen, gone on our YouTube channel or you've seen on Facebook or whatever, the, um, the, the we do a, a, usually a goodbye video uh, to most, if not all, of the cars that we drive. And some cars are harder to give up than others. Uh, especially if you're uh, especially interested in a car for whatever reason, or you've been looking for a car, there are some cars uh, that you get in and you go, okay, this is a good car. You know, you drive along and, you know, you, you, you point out the good things about it. You look for the bad things about it and you bang out, uh, you know, three minutes or four minutes of a review. And you talk about it. Then there are these cars that you get that come down the pike every once in a while that you get into it and you spend uh, out of the seven days that you have the car, you spend seven and a half days in the car. You try to, uh, you know, drive the car as much as you can. You come up with reasons to go different places. Uh, you go through four or five tanks of gas instead of the usual one 
or two tanks of gas. Uh, you take it not only up on the uh, Joe Ricci Memorial road course that we use to test all the cars on, uh, but you find a reason to drive out to Clay Ellum to the bakery uh, to grab something, or you find a reason to drive down to Mount Rainier uh, because you're not quite sure if uh, you have to make a left to get into the parking lot of Paradise or a right. So you want to check that out. You want to make sure. You find excuses to drive these cars and put as much mileage as uh, you possibly can on them. And uh, those are the cars that we hope are represented here today. Besides those cars, we also drive a number of cars at press events and uh, certain other things that happen. Sometimes a, a dealer will call me up and say, hey, Vinny, I want you to you know, jump in this car and drive it and tell me what you think of it or tell us what you think of it or mention it on your show or, you know, whatever, whatever comes along so that people will, uh, you know, will hear you talk about the car. And when I do that uh, from uh, a dealer or something like that, it is always done with the preconceived uh, notion, the, the agreement that I say what I think about the cars. I don't kiss anybody's butt when it comes to talking about cars. I call them like I see them. If a car is a good car, I tell you. If a car is uh, is a design flaw in it, I tell you about that. Because my credibility counts to me. What I what I tell you, I take it as if I'm you're I'm the only guy you're listening to when you're going to go out and buy this car. And uh, that's important to me, that you trust uh, what I say. Now, I do make mistakes. I'm not always right. Uh, I've been a big proponent of the Chevy Bolt, which is the electric, little electric Chevrolet. And uh, earlier this year, uh, General Motors issued a warning saying, don't park it in your house. Don't put it in the garage. It could burn your house down. Which I am going to tell you is never a good selling point for a car. Uh, so that, you know, it, it's something that uh, with this new, you know, we're, we're going through this new technology at a much quicker pace than we did back in the early 20th century. We are going through this technology and trying to develop it so it'll be ready in, you know, one cycle, one model of a car going through. The reality is, is it takes years to develop these things. I mean, go back and look at how cars were first developed in the early, early 20th century. You had all different makes. You had electrics. You had this. You had that. You had gas. You had some of them ran on steam. It all depended on what suited people and what was going to be the eventual winner in what these cars were going to be powered by it. As we all know, uh, internal combustion engines, gasoline engines won that battle. Uh, but their dominance is truly being threatened by electric. People now are looking at electric and uh, fuel cell vehicles and vehicles that contain batteries and, and, and different devices Hydrogen is one that also uh, comes to mind when we look at different kinds of cars. And we don't know 100% what the future is going to hold. But we know that right now, electric is 
the way most of these companies seem to be going. Now, the problems with the electric systems, uh, not with the cars so much, but with the ability to charge them, to refuel them, is what seems to be the problem for many right now, including myself. I mean, I've been on, uh, you know, I've driven a number of electric cars this year and uh, several times have been in situations where, you know, the car was, uh, uh, the car was great, but trying to find the proper power uh, source to recharge it, trying to, uh, you know, access, get onto the system. Now, a lot of that is, of course, going to be uh, taken care of with a home charging unit. When you buy a car, you buy a, a home charging unit, you have it installed. And when you go home at night, you plug your car in in the garage or outside your house and your carport. And the next morning, you have 200 miles there, at least, that you're ready to go with. And uh, most commutes for people are not 200 miles. Most people round trip are less than 100, even if you have to go out and run errands and, and things like that. So um, it's a little early to judge and say, okay, this is this and this is that with the electrics. Uh, it is a technology that's uh, the car charging technology is in its infancy. We're learning about it every day. You're now looking at cars that have triple range they did just five years ago. So those are things you have to remember about uh, the, um, you know, some of the top five. Others in the top five are pure enjoyment, uh, the pure sound of a, uh, you know, a, a 392 Chrysler engine just cranking up and, rum, you know, and, and, and going. There's, there's not many feelings in automotive uh, them uh, than that feeling of that car cranking up. So that's what we're going to go through this morning. Uh, we'll give you the top five. We'll give you some honorable mentions. We're also going to have our guest of the year. We got Nathan's pick and we got also Nathan, who we now say good morning to our erstwhile producer, Nathan. Nathan, good morning. How are you? Pal? Hey, good morning and happy Saturday. Happy Saturday to you too. Is it a happy Saturday, Nathan? Are you really happy or are you just putting on that face for radio? Hey, it's not raining out there and I'm always happy about that. Yeah, that's a big one for me too, Pally. If it's not raining, I can uh, go on with my day and start to feel like <laughs> something good is going to happen. Although it is quite foggy out there this morning. It is, but that'll burn off and turn into a really nice day to go out for a drive. I think so. I'm uh, planning on taking a little ride down to uh, Ocean Shores this morning uh, because I need me a shot of beach. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> When's the last time we've been able to get out there and do that, huh? Well, you know, I'm one of those nutty people to go out to the beach, even if it's raining or something. So, Oh, so you're I'm, one of those that does the polar bear plunge. Uh, well, I've done the polar bear plunge before, yes. Uh, I did it with former Wazoo quarterback Drew Bledsoe one year. Mm. Uh, That's yeah. something I still need to accomplish on my bucket list. You don't need to, my friend. I mean, <laughs> listen, if you go through life and you don't jump in 25-degree water, I think you'll be just fine. It's a Seattle tradition. I've been born and raised here. Uh, well, that's not my fault. <laughs> um, but, it, yeah, but you know what? It's fun. I had, I had fun doing it. We did it for a worthy cause. It was for Special Olympics. 
uh, down in the Deschutes River in Oregon. And it was when I was covering uh, the Special Olympics for Root Sports uh, many years ago. And uh, Bledsoe said, if you're going to cover this uh, event, you got to jump in. And I said, well, guess I'm jumping. You know, when the quarterback tells you to, uh, you know, go 30 yards and make a left, you go 30 yards and make a left, right? He's in charge. He's running the show. So I did it. It was very invigorating. You know, it was very, you know, it was, it was skin bracing and chilling until I got out of the water. Then it got quite cold. Then it was a whole different story. Then, when, then it was. Then I was looking for heaters, wraps, towels, anything to wrap my my uh, um, um, goosebumps in. So Nathan, um, a couple of things. First of all, I think you probably want to ask me that question, don't you? Yo, Vinny, what are you driving this week? And I thought you'd never ask. I'm driving a uh, uh, for the second time. Uh, first time this year, but the second time I'm driving a Honda Civic sedan, a car that I absolutely love. You know, I'm a big fan of the Hyundais, a uh, big fan of cars, you know, cars that are still actually cars, not SUVs. I mean, I still think that there's a place for these cars in America. And uh, the Honda Civic that I'm driving is the touring edition uh, this week, and it is probably everything you want a car to be. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, Honda came out with this Civic that was, looked a little like out of Star Wars, you know? Nathan had the big lights on the back, and... Oh, kind of like know, the C-shape? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you couldn't miss it uh, if you were behind it. And at an interesting front, I think everyone came out of the factory with a spoiler. I mean, it was... Uh, it was a car clearly aimed at uh, the, you, you know, the Dixon Friday night crowd. And which is not a bad thing. I mean, young people are people buy cars. But somehow it didn't translate to the people that were running Honda. They said, let's go, let's cut back on the styling a little bit. Let's make it look more like the Hondas that people remember, as opposed to the Hondas that young kids uh, are looking at and saying, mom, I want one of those for graduation. So they dialed it back a little bit with the, uh, with the civic and <clears throat> listen, I'm a fan of the, um, of a uh, styling cues and uh, styling that steps out over the line. And uh, the civic still does that, uh, but it's a solid, good, uh, well-rounded worth the money kind of car. You know, it's a car that uh, um, in any form that you buy it in, whether you go for the uh, kind of the uh, high performance versions or just the regular take me back and forth to work, school, uh, shopping and everything uh, vehicle, uh, the Honda does the trick. It fulfills the promise. And what we're lucky enough that they've done with the Hondas is kind of gotten out of the notion that they're appliances and put some zippiness, some fun to drive factor into these cars. Uh, the, uh, uh, the HPD one that I drove about six months ago was a blast to drive. Uh, the suspension was set up nice. It was set up more as a performance car than it was just a regular sedan. 
And Honda, of course, has a long tradition in racing, and they pulled it off. This one is not so much um, racing car as it is family four-door. And again, Honda pulls it off spectacularly in this car. Now, we'll get into it more in next week's show, but suffice it to say uh, that I am excited about taking this car on a long road trip today. The HPD that I had back in, it was around Thanksgiving, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe it was my birthday, you know, September, it might have been even that far back, um, was a great road car. Uh, really was. It was one of the best road cars I had driven all year. And it, uh, you know, it carried a nice balance uh, when you were driving it. So it didn't get uh, too boring when you were driving. It didn't get too soft. You could switch it into sport for a bit more excitement. You have the same thing here with the uh, Civic Touring. It's, it's, it's built a bit more, uh, less, or a bit less performance, a bit more road cars. So we'll have, uh, we'll have more on that <clears throat> next week when we do the full review. Uh, but suffice it to say that uh, Honda, it, you know, scores with this car. It's popped up on a lot of uh, best of the year lists. I think it won uh, this week the World Car um, Automobile of the Year for 2021 award. And I wouldn't be surprised if it popped up in a few other places um, before it's all said and done today. So, that's what I am driving uh, this week. All right, let's um, let's start to move into the uh, into the top five cars. I didn't want to give back <clears throat> because there are actually more than five of them. Uh, it was hard to cull this list down. I got it down to uh, a list of finalists that were really um, the creme de la creme of automotive now let me give you a little caveat on this a little caveat emptor here the there are a couple of companies that for whatever reason do not give me cars for whatever reason they have decided that um i don't for, you know i don't know why uh that i don't get into their cars i have requested cars from them uh time and time again um, and I get cars from every major car company except for Nissan. And I, listen, I get, I get cars, um, you know, I, I get everything from Rolls Royces and Bentleys right on down to Honda Fits and to, um, you know, the, the, the least expensive cars out there because I take care of cars. I give the manufacturers exposure for their loan. It makes it worth their while to, to make sure I get into cars so I can tell you about them. And so you can go to a dealer and take a look at that car if you're interested. My shows are sponsored, uh, have been sponsored by the Washington State Dealers Association. But for whatever reason, uh, Nissan, who I've had a great relationship over the years, has decided uh, a year or so ago uh, that um, I did not fit their criteria for getting cars from them. Hey, what are you going to do? Uh, Nissan's going to still make cars if I don't drive one, and I'm still going to report on cars if I don't drive a Nissan. 
uh, it's it's their problem, really. Uh, as it's obvious, I have enough cars to fill my schedule out and then some. Uh, but so if they don't want to give me cars to uh, to road test and to report to you on, well, you know what? That's their that's their business, I guess. I have uh, I talk from time to time uh, have requested uh, to a review so that they listen, but. Uh, the person who runs things at Nissan has decided that I'm not even worth an email back. And uh, that's sad uh, because uh, I have had, as a matter of fact, for those of you who have listened to me for a long time, Nissan was one of my earliest sponsors of the Fix the Field program that we did. When uh, Scott Mazine and, uh, and uh, Mike Gallagher and all these other people were at Nissan, uh, they loved this program where we got together and put, uh, you know, went out and fixed fields, got volunteers that listened to KJR. We went out on a Saturday and we rebuilt the field and Nissan was a big part of that. Just uh, as I was a big part of, uh, of telling you about their cars. But, you know, as if we learn one thing in life, it's that Change is constant, and I will continue to work on it because I think that, uh, well, you know, over the past few years, the product hasn't been all that great. Uh, but I still think that uh, we should include them when and if we can. So we'll keep working on it. So that's why I've gotten several uh, calls from people uh, asking me or, or emails writing me, and you, why don't you ever talk about Nissan, including a large dealer here in the area? And that's why we never talk about Nissan. All right, we'll take a quick break here. We'll come back. We'll start uh, giving you uh, right down the line uh, the uh, the finalists and then the top five uh, cars I did not want to give up. It's a Saturday morning. It's drive time right here on KKNW. It's new. It's new. It's new. The new, new 62 Lark by Studebaker. Big car comfort at compact prices. New, highest, widest doors of all. New, big, sofa-soft, deep padded seats. New, thick, rich pile rugs and flat flush floors with no trip over sill. New, lock limousine, stretch out room. Big car comfort at a compact price. New, giant lock trunks. Almost 17 cubic feet of cargo space. New, Big 15-inch wheels give you new riding comfort and surprise. New fresh styling in the big, wide, wonderful line of Larks from Studebaker. Two new Lark Daytonas, America's newest action car in hardtop and convertible style. With bucket seats, very sporty. A companion console compartment, very spiffy. Available too, four-speed transmission for exhilarating performance. Now enter. The most luxurious car you'll find in the compact price range. The Lark Cruiser. More room and luxury than you'll find in most cars. Here's the new 62 Lark Hardtop with sliding sunroof. Available on all Lark sedans and hardtops. Simply beautiful. Just peek inside. Look at these big, loungy limousine seats and thick pile rugs. Here's the new Lark Convertible. All dialed up with new 62 styling. 
There's big wagon room in the new 62 lock wagon, too. Look at that enormous cargo space. Please be sure to see and test drive all the exciting new 62 locks at your Studebaker dealer with big car comfort at compact prices. And remember, they're endurance built by Studebaker. There's a reason they invented the internet. It's called 1150kknw.com. What a foggy Saturday morning it is. Our top five cars I did not want to get back for 2021 finale. Our show, our top 10 finalists. Actually, there's a few more than 10 here. I think we're at the 14 finalists uh, ran down like this. The Hyundai Santa Cruz, the new little pickup truck that I enjoyed so thoroughly. The Mustang Mach-E, the Genesis GV80 SUV, the Honda Civic Sport HPD, uh, the Genesis G70 sedan, uh, the Toyota RAV4 Prime, the Volkswagen ID4 Pro S all-wheel drive, the Ford Bronco, the Ford F-150 Hybrid, the BMW M440i X-Drive Coupe, the Jeep Wagoneer, the Jeep Grand Wagoneer, the Honda Ridgeline Pickup, and the Jeep Rubicon 392, the Wrangler Rubicon 392. Those were the finalists, uh, the list that we culled down out of over 100 cars uh, that I drove this year. Some, as I say, at, a, at an event, uh, some uh, for a week. But really, when it comes down to it, uh, we had a lot, put a lot of mileage on, on a lot of cars this year. We took some uh, long trips. And in that vein, I want to mention first a car that uh, I did not talk about on the list, but certainly made our best road trip truck of the year. And that is the Ford F-350 Super Duty Diesel. I took this vehicle from here in Seattle to Salt Lake City, Salt Lake City to San Francisco, and then San Francisco back up here to Seattle. So that was about a 2,000-mile and change and more, actually, road trip. And this truck performed like a champ. It uh, was good on diesel fuel. It was quick. It uh, loaded down, still had a lot of torque, a lot of speed, a lot of passing power. It was comfortable as all get out. I mean, this thing was like driving your couch down the highway. And uh, just, just a spectacular road vehicle. It did everything you asked it to. And um, I took this trip with a friend of mine that has trouble getting in and out of vehicles like this. He has, uh, he's uh, sick and I took it to Salt Lake city to go get him and bring him to the Bay area. And he, um, had no trouble getting in and out of this vehicle. It was designed so that you could, uh, alight into the vehicle and, uh, disembark from the vehicle in a very easy motion, had plenty of handles to grab onto and so on and so forth. So uh, the best road truck of the year, easily 
the Ford F-350 Super Duty Diesel. Plus, a quiet diesel. You know, it's not like one of these diesels you hear going down. Sometimes these guys make them as loud as possible. It gives me a headache. Oh, my God. Am I turning it to get off my lawn or what? Also, the best road car of the year. And I took a trip from Pittsburgh out here to Seattle in the Toyota Camry Hybrid. And when you talk about a car that gives you 40 miles plus to the gallon, uh, when you talk about a car that's roomy, when you talk about a car that in a pinch you can jump in the back seat and sleep in, uh, when you talk about a car that gives you uh, a nice feel of the road without being uh, too much of an appliance, without being too disengaging, the uh, Toyota Camry Hybrid fit the order. It was comfortable. It was uh, engaging enough that when you were driving through the flatlands there in the middle of the country, you were, uh, you know, it was okay. It got great gas mileage. And it was just a pleasure to drive on a long trip. So that gets our uh, our award for best uh, road truck and best uh, road car of the year. These are cars that are built and trucks that are built, not necessarily for your everyday use, but when you take that special purpose, which I like to do, of putting them in that one category of, uh, of, of road car and road truck, those are the ones that fit the bill perfectly. And congratulations to Ford and to Toyota on that. When you look at the top five list, you really do see uh, a, a load of, uh, of diversity here. You really see cars that are, that are really um, uh, all over the place as far as what they do. So let's start it out with uh, our car number five. Number five. Number five in the top five cars that I did not want to give back this year was um, a car that had a lot of buzz about it. Uh, we've been talking about it for a couple of years, uh, ever since the time we first heard it was uh, going to come back, going to be reinstated into Ford's lineup. Uh, it had a little bit of controversy when it was debuted uh, in many areas, uh, build quality and so on and so forth. But Ford has really uh, seemed to have been able to straighten out their early problems with the Ford Bronco and uh, straighten it out. Now, the Ford Bronco, the one I drove, was the Ford Bronco Sasquatch edition. And uh, uh, the uh, with the Badlands package. And I think it was great to drive a car named Badlands up to Camino Island and stop on Thunder Road. You Bruce Springsteen fans will... Uh, you know, we'll, we'll catch the reference there. Uh, but the, the, the Ford Bronco really uh, brought it home in many different ways that, um, that gave you a vehicle that you could order and build to what you wanted to use it for. You had the Bronco Sport, it had the four doors, and was more of a, almost a, a station wagon type vehicle. And then you could go all the way up to extremes uh, just by sitting in your dealer and ordering everything. Push bars, suspensions, uh, 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 roll bars, skid plates, whatever, you, whatever 
purpose you wanted to use your Ford Bronco for was there for you. Whether you wanted something that would rip up asphalt or you wanted something that uh, would save on gas, uh, the Bronco came in as a comfortable, competent vehicle that had a very unique yet classic look to it. They kept enough of the old original 1966 Bronco in this vehicle, but yet had every modern um, automotive convenience and safety feature in it. Now, yes, there were people who complained about wind noise in the Bronco. People complained that maybe the roof panels didn't fit 100% correctly. And unfortunately, I think when you buy one of these cars, uh, you know, especially an off-road vehicle uh, that the body twists and turns in a lot, they're not always perfect. If you buy a Bronco thinking it's going to be as quiet as a uh, Lincoln inside, you're making a mistake because they're not. They're off-road vehicles, and sometimes the elements get inside. Sometimes uh, the elements, uh, you know, for whatever reason, don't react like you want them to. It's not a hermetically sealed environment, especially when you have a top that's going to come off the car. Now, they try to get it like that, but I'm one of those people that say, you know what? Sometimes you're going to get, especially in, in a first run of a vehicle, first year of a vehicle, sometimes you're going to get those problems. Wait a year before you buy it. Wait till they straighten out the kinks. And if you did that, I think you got a better Bronco uh, than you did uh, if you uh, initially ran out and ordered one as soon as they took the wraps off it um, in the online preview. But as I said, I thought that the Bronco really uh, gives Jeep and the Jeep Wrangler a run for its money. I can't wait to see the Bronco Raptor. Uh, I can't wait to see uh, the Bronco in its most stripped down version. I, uh, I, I just think that this is a vehicle that we are going to see around for a long time. Uh, you'll see it in all sorts of versions, in an electric version, a hybrid version. Uh, there will be a Bronco out there for everybody. And you will wind up uh, seeing a ton of these things on the road. Uh, as I said, the one I drove was the uh, Ford uh, Bronco uh, Sasquatch edition. I loved this vehicle. It did everything that, uh, that I wanted it to. And I mean, uh, you know, everything that you could think of this vehicle doing, whether it go over uh, hills, over dale, do the different things that a vehicle like this is expected to do, go off-road, uh, Ford Rivers. Uh, the clearance was enough on it that you could take it up and go through streams and things like that and just not have problems with it. It really, uh, it, it, you know, it gave you that, um, that feeling that it was invincible. And I just, uh, as I said, I think it's um, uh, it's well worth taking a look at. They're running north of about forty-five grand right now. If you want to get into one, some of them, if they're fully equipped, are going to go sixty uh, that high. But again, you're you're going to pay a little bit for 
owning a vehicle that uh, is, you know, is a look at me vehicle right now, a Ford Bronco uh, in this, especially in this trim with the, uh, you know, the extra ground clearance and uh, uh, the tow uh, equipment and uh, the off-road equipment is, is a look at me vehicle. Nothing wrong with that. I think part of why you buy a vehicle is because it's a look at me vehicle. All right, let's go to number four. Number four. All right, I'm going to disappear on you for one second here because, as usual, I drop my notes. <laughs> and that happens every once in a while. You just, they go, boom. All right, number four on the list. We talked about it before. As a matter of fact, I'm driving one this week, the Honda Civic HRD sedan. Honda has, has had a winner with the Civic uh, since time eternal, and uh, the Honda Civic HRD sedan is no exception. Redesigned earlier this year, the World Car Awards have already named the Honda Civic its uh, car of the year or the North American, I should say, uh, has already named the Civic. This is, um, this is a great passenger sedan. Um, the only thing that comes close to it, that touches it, maybe even passes it in some places, uh, are the Hyundais, uh, the large Hyundais, uh, because they include a lot of value for the buck. But there's something about a Honda, the customer loyalty in a Honda, the uh, the design of the Honda, especially the interior of the Honda. The interior of the Honda uh, certainly, without a doubt, made you feel like you were more in an Acura than you were in a Honda. It had a great luxury factor to it. It really made you feel like you were, you know, driving something uh, special. Uh, it handled well when you got into the... Um, Got into the, uh, you know, to the roadworthiness of the car, taking a trip with this car, dropping it down into sport and uh, uh, doing that with it and getting it into a place where, you know, you could you could open it up a little bit. Uh, the Honda did not disappoint. Also, the interior in this car is so well designed. So... Um, you know, so just done really uh, perfectly. And, you know, it's the little things when you get in the interior of a car. Honda has done this thing, and I don't know why I get obsessed with these things, uh, but they designed the vents, the air conditioning and heater vents, uh, to, to blend into the dashboard in a honeycomb pattern. And it's just so well thought out, so well done. Uh, that you look at and say, if they think this much, if this much thinking goes into the air conditioning vents in this car, in the interior of this car, they must be thinking about this kind of stuff in the rest of the car as well. And so I'll give them credit for that and say that, yes, in fact, that this is a, a vehicle that, wow, that just, uh, you know, um, gives you everything you would expect for the money. It makes you, uh, it, it renews your faith in Honda. Not that you have a lost faith in Honda because it is really Honda, one of the most um, owner loyal brands out there. But wow, uh, I was just um, blown away by the HRD and how much the uh, 
young people liked it and how much uh how much i was enjoying this vehicle and how much uh, i thought that this was a great family car that gave uh, the person that loves to drive a little something and the passengers a little something as well so the honda civic sport uh again a great vehicle that uh you should take a look at if you're in the market for that kind of again lots of competition from hyundai and kia on these vehicles but you know there's, there's something about that or on a loyalty with honda uh that you should check out we see it uh, right up there on the board that's the current weeks uh and yes if that place looks familiar it is the salvadorian bakery in white center that has just some of the best trace of leche cake oh my god oh lord it's good all right number three number three all right volkswagen makes the list and our first electric vehicle volkswagen id4 pro is an all electric vehicle that i believe is going to be the vehicle that puts mainstream America into electric vehicles uh, with a range of, I believe, uh, a little north of 250 miles uh, with a interior that, uh, again, feels much better than the price point in a vehicle. It's spacious. You know, you lose the transmission hump in the car because it's just, a, you know, the flat battery pack under there. Uh, it, easy to drive, very well constructed, very well balanced, lots of, uh, uh, you know, power, uh, different, uh, um, you know, safety and convenience items, including, uh, you know, a, a great stereo and a large screen in the middle of the dashboard that will tell you, what the car is doing. A funny thing for me with the ID4 is I love the ambient lighting. And you can change the mood uh, in this car. If you're kind of having a crappy day, you can hit a couple of buttons on the dashboard and, and get mood lighting. The car can be like your mood ring. Besides that, though, the car is just uh, attractive and well-designed, has great range, uh, is backed up by Volkswagen, which is... I don't know. I think they're building great um, electric cars now. And wait till you see the buzz, which is the Volkswagen bus, the electric bus uh, that they are coming out. Wait till that hits the shores um, in a few months. But the ID4 seemed to be, to me, uh, one of the most uh, practical and accessible electric cars out there today. No muss, no fuss. You get the charge, you plug it into your garage, and you're on your way. There's plenty of charging stations out there. And that's the only real drawback to me to the electric cars is they have to get the charging situation straightened out. And I will upfront say to you that part of it is I drive different electric cars. If you're driving one electric car and you're hooked up with Electrify America or uh, charge point or one of these different charging things, it's going to be a lot easier because you go, you flash your phone and you're charging while you're, uh, you know, there's one down here in the PCC at Edmonds 
Uh, you go, you plug the car in, you go inside, you walk around, you load your shopping cart up, you uh, come out, and your car is charged. And as soon as they, you know, come up with a little better system of charging these cars and making it a standard uh, where people uh, kind of know what to expect, I think that the electric charging is going to take off. That's what they need to do. They need to make it as reliable as going and getting a get, you know, going and getting gas at a gas station and as quick as going and getting gas in a gas station. That's the only way they're going to win people over. But I think the ID4, uh, whether you have it in the two-wheel drive model or the all-wheel drive model, which adds an extra motor, more horsepower, and a lot of fun. Right. Again, this is not an off-road vehicle per se. You're not going to take this thing and go storming up into the woods uh, with this thing. But what you will do is for the occasional trip up to grandma's uh, or, you know, cabin where the wolf is hanging out, a little red riding hood could do herself a lot worse than getting up there in a Volkswagen ID4. I would buy it as a family car. If uh, I'm in a market for an electric, this is probably, that uh, might be the first one that I am uh, looking at. All right. Uh, that's number three. Number two. Number two. Well, Ford, once again, on the list, you know, Ford is, is becoming a very groovy company when it comes to electrics. Um, <coughs> excuse me, lots of controversy about uh, the Ford Mustang Mach-E. Remember, uh, we had uh, a number of people on the show that talked about uh, my friend Kirby Arnold, who's a Mustang guy. Uh, took a, taking a wait-and-see attitude on this because, you know, to them, a Mustang is a traditional V8, four-speeder, automatic, uh, gasoline-powered, high-performance car. Well, hang on. When it comes to performance, the Mustang Mach-E will cuff your pants. Uh, it's that quick. It's that agile. It's that fun to drive. Uh, it, it has a little bit of an identity crisis, not on whether it is a Mustang or not, but whether it is a, an SUV or a coupe or a sedan or what exactly is. It. And I guess that's kind of for you to decide. I think it's, uh, it's a hatchback uh, that will fit, have a, 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 a voluminous cargo space well you can take it to garage sales and load it up you can go to the store you can go to home depot with it it is uh, certainly a vehicle it can be a lot of things to a lot of people you can pop the family in it and uh, merrily roll along on electricity not using any gas and i think it was um you know if i was doing a straight out car of the year i think a mustang mach e uh all-wheel drive would have won it straight out. That's how good uh, the Mustang Mach-E is. I'm surprised we don't see more of them on the road. I think that's just a function of uh, limited availability and dealers right now charging over sticker price for it. But when this whole chip thing comes down and, uh, you know, we kind of get into a year into this thing, um, I think that those premiums that people are asking for these cars are going to go away. And you'll be able to go out and buy one for less than sticker 
and uh, not be taken to the uh, to the cleaners for one. And uh, again, as far as handling comfort, interior materials, um, ease of getting in and out of the car, cargo space, man, I don't I don't think you could fill this thing up if you tried. It really was, uh, you know, had such room inside uh, that it was it was the perfect to me. If you were buying an electric vehicle and you wanted something a bit more snappy than the ID4, uh, the Ford Mustang Mach E was the way to go. Get out of the preconceived notion that it's a Mustang. Jump out of that for a second. Just look at it as a car that you want to buy, a sporty car that you want to buy. And the uh, Mustang Mach-E fulfilled and clicked all of those boxes. Every box that you could find on there was checked off with the Mustang E, uh, the Mach-E. And the performance version is even better. I've not driven a high-performance version yet, but, you know, think about it. You're going from zero to 60 in like two seconds. I mean, that's, uh, that's Don Gartless type of stuff. You know, dregs is pro, pro, pro dregs just don't go that fast. And um, I thought it was uh, an excellent vehicle both to drive and to sit there and look at. I know when I took it by my, uh, my test ground of Dick's driving, uh, where, you know, you roll through on a Saturday night, if people are looking at it, gathering around it, you know, you got a winner if they're giving you the, uh, what's that? Then, you know then you know you you got to take it back to the drawing board. So the Mustang Mach-E uh, coming in a second on this list. And the number one vehicle. Number one. By the way, Nate, nice job on those numbers. Keep those around. We'll have to use those for some other stuff. That's a very good job. The number one vehicle is a vehicle that I have been advocating for for a number of years. And that is the small pickup truck. Now, uh, Hyundai took a page out of Subaru's book with the, uh, with the Baja, and they cut the back off of one of their SUVs, the Santa Fe, and they turned it into the Santa Cruz. And with the Santa Cruz, got what a lot of people in America want. A lot of people want a pickup truck, but they don't want to go out and spend $80,000 on a big Jagunda pickup truck that they can't park in the city. They can't fit into a parking space. They can't take it into a garage. People don't want, you know, they want something that is maneuverable in the city, that is uh, um, okay for less experienced drivers to drive, that if you're going around a corner, you can see all around the car and you don't run somebody over and not even know about it, uh, that will fit a bunch of stuff in if you leave the bed open and still fit a bunch of stuff in if you take the tonneau cover and close it. It's going to put four people in there. So you can take the kids to school, then go down to Home Depot and pick up the, uh, you know, the, the, the refrigerator and then load it into the back of the truck that you want to, uh, 
you know, that you want to go pick up, they can tow a light trailer or a camper up to the mountains. And the Hyundai Santa Cruz fits that bill perfectly. Oh, how long I have waited for this pickup truck. Uh, now, listen, to be fair, I'm an El Camino guy, man. I love the El Camino, the Ranchero. I love the half car, half pickup ute concept uh, that we lost in this country many years ago. But yet to this day in many other countries, especially Australia, is alive and well. Well, what Hyundai basically did here is they took a Santa, uh, a Santa Fe and they cut half of the roof off, put a pickup bed back there, and um, came up with what I think is a winner. Uh, it's not going to be a go all the way up in the woods off-road vehicle. I mean, you can turn it into that if you buy certain suspension components and do some modifications to it. <clears throat> but <clears throat> for that second vehicle uh, that, uh, you know, maybe uh, you want to take the kids to school uh, you want to go do shopping. You're going to go around to garage sales and things like that. The small pickup truck, which has all but disappeared from our American landscape, leave it a Hyundai to come up with something that would fill that bill. And it's because uh, Hyundai and Kia, all they listen to what their consumers want. And for a long time, people have been saying, Boy, do I miss those old uh, Mazda B uh, 2000s and the old Chevrolet Love pickup trucks, a small pickup truck that did the job of a pickup truck, but you could park in a space. It was easily maneuverable in uh, the city. It wasn't a, a, a Jagunda loud diesel pickup truck, you know, and didn't cost $80,000. You could get yourself in this uh, high-end Hyundai Santa Cruz for less than forty-five. And it'll do most everything that the big pickup trucks will do, except it has a shorter bed. But if you're going down to the store to throw some bags of uh, potting soil or whatever into the back of this thing, it'll do it just fine. It has plenty of compartments, plenty of neat trick stuff. My number one car of the year, and again, partially because I've advocated for this type of car for so long, is the Hyundai Santa Cruz. I haven't driven a car since the Corvette, uh, the new mid-engine Corvette, that I wanted so much as the Hyundai Santa Cruz. I also want to give an honorable mention, even though it didn't make it into the top five, to the Genesis a GV80 luxury SUV. What a spectacular SUV a Genesis has come out with. Um, and and if, if this was uh, the top six, the Genesis would have been number six in this thing. Also, the Toyota Rav4 Prime, uh, quick, agile, fun to drive, and uh, in the SU small SUV class, crossover class, you can't do better than the Toyota Rav4 Prime. It's a spectacular vehicle. All right, that is going to wrap it up for this edition of Drive Time Radio. We thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much to Nathan, who put uh, helps put the show together and keeps me on track all week. Thank you, of course, to uh, George Jackson, who helped sponsor this show, to my good friend Keith, uh, who also sponsors the show in American Graphics, and to all of you that listen. Find us on Facebook, find us on Twitter, and hang out with us every Saturday morning when we are here from 8 to 9 on 1150 KKNW, if the Lord's willing, and the creek don't rise. Have a good week.